All right, welcome to the Pitch Stack Podcast, Episode 2. I am Douglas DeYoung, joined by Mr. Matt Rodriguez, as always. Matt, hey, how yo. are you today? I'm good. I'm doing all right. right. All right. Uh, so, I'm so excited to talk about some flesh and blood. Um, and something I like to do, you know, before I get on with my day, is I like to open the mail. Ooh, so mail. A little bit of mail. Yeah, we've got some mail. So people have some viewer questions. And this first one comes from Mr. Haciel Diaz. Uh, Haciel asks, who's your favorite hero for this upcoming skirmish uh, season? And, you know, Haciel, I've got great news for you. That's basically what this whole episode is going to be. So you're going to get one of the most thorough answers of all time. Lucky you. (laughs) Look at that. And then we have another question here from uh, from from Mr. Mr. Chris B. Mr. Bromley. Uh, he asked, "What kind of beard oil I use? I I don't. I um I uh, I did try this Viking oil stuff once, but I just I I feel like I don't I I don't I don't have enough facial hair to maintain the viscosity of an oil. So I don't know. Maybe it just looks incredibly shiny under the lights of certain LGSs. What What about you, Mister Rodriguez? You've got you've got hmm. a pretty serious beard there. Do you Do you run yeah, a beard oil? Is, it's new for me. Uh, and uh, actually, I do have one. I don't use it that much because I'm not like super big on like you know keeping it super neat and stuff. But I, I have one. I don't know what brand it is. It's like Citron and uh, hardwood or something like that. I know that's the uh, scent. Nice. But uh, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't know good. the brand. Couldn't tell you. Oh, right on. Well, this is this is very encouraging. We already have viewer questions. We've only put out one episode. It's Sick. only a matter of time before we have to get a P.O. box and stop talking oh, about man. where we live. That'll be great. That's <laughs> <laughs> exciting for the future. <laughs> All right. So I <clears throat> uh, let's uh, we'll play that intro music and then we'll uh, we'll get into we'll get into some flesh and blood. You're listening to the Pitch Stack Podcast. All right. And we're back from the intro. Never gets old. Um... So, so Matt, actually, what's interesting is uh, you and I attend a lot of the same armories, but this week there was no crossover between our armory attendants. So how did your armories go this week? Uh, I went to a Hey Wanna Play on Saturday, uh, essentially for an armory, and that was yesterday, and it was good. Uh, it was just four people, sadly, though. Uh, got to play a little Viserai. Nothing out of right the ordinary. Played some reps in the Kano, played a little bit of uh, old Tim reps and uh, Dash. Those essentially that was the uh, the field for the day. Oh, cool stuff. I could have that, showed up with Prism. Oh, yeah. You could have uh, actually, <laughs> you know, not played against Starvo for sure. <laughs> yeah. No Starvo, no Starvo at Armories. We have a little bit more dignity than that. <laughs> well, I feel like it's one of those decks you don't really need to practice all that much, you know? Like, obviously, there's mm-hmm. a certain level, but I think, like, once you've achieved it, there aren't that many really weird interactions in the deck. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of just, you know, not literally smash with big tree, but the, the whole deck is just smashing with big tree after big tree. Um, oh, yeah. Well, they're more like uh, big uh, hammer or big uh, fists, usually. Big oak and old. Yeah, <laughs> or that. <laughs> He'll stand at you menacingly for 11. <laughs> so... My LGS, and I've been so annoying to like the owners and managers of my local LGS at Chaos Gamer Lounge. I apologize to them, uh, but I've ne- I've been trying to get them to do flesh and blood events for I don't know a year. Uh, <laughs> just I've been so annoying about it. I like walked them through ordering armory kits and everything. We finally started firing them about a month ago, and in our third armory ever, we fired a full eight person monarch draft. And so I felt like I was living the dream. It was phenomenal. Uh, I went one and two on Prism because I forced Prism. But what was I supposed to do? I opened two Genesis or Genesi, if you will. Um, 
And you know, I you know, I was gonna I was gonna play Aura Prism, and it turns out that Aura Prism doesn't translate very well to playing against Levia. I learned, um, so that wasn't great. Uh, but you know, it was pretty cool to see like an actual flesh and blood community uh, starting to develop in my LGS, which has always been uh, like a Wizards of the Coast shop. You know, it's always been Magic and Pokemon, um, and. I even got like a few magic players like what's going on over there. What is that? What's that card game? That looks really fun. They, they banned Luris and now everything's a mess. It's like, is that something I can get into? Is it still cheap? And the answer to the last question is no, but everything else was a yes. And, um, and so I don't know, it's really cool to see this start to turn around in South Florida, which is South Florida, uh, where we both live has always been a hotbed of trading card games. I don't know why. Agree. Definitely agree. And it's weird to see flesh and blood finally get a foot down in this uh, in our area with, you know, L- like LGSs are starting to ask questions. They're starting to host events. I mean, there's a there's a, a skirmish firing off in Miami next week uh, at an LGS that neither of us really ever go to because it's really far and uh, and it's really cool. This is it's happening. And I feel like we're starting to turn a corner with flesh and blood where like maybe I can take a week off and not show up to an armory and it'll still fire, you know? Oh yeah. hundred percent. And I mean, at least, you know, with me and uh, my work and stuff, uh, I usually have like the, the, the big days off, like, you know, the ones that people usually go to play at like Fridays and Saturdays. Um, and I mean, I've usually been all right to get like days off, but sometimes it's just not been consistent. Um, so I've been kind of like, tempering you know how often i go out to play uh, especially with like the drives because i only really have one local game store um and then every other store is like an hour or 40 minutes away from me oh yeah yeah because you're up north that's a it's a bit isolated so i don't know we're gonna see it spread it's gonna be great um so let's see, we'll do a little recap of what we were talking about last week, which is uh, we were both watching The Calling Indianapolis. Um, oh, yeah. And so in a, uh, in a great celebration for myself, Prism made it to the finals but didn't win, which is great because I'm very heavily invested into Prism Futures. Um, oh. So, you know, the, uh, the Prism player actually missed a tunic counter at the end, which ended up costing him the game to start. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. Well, in a weird way, maybe he did it on purpose. So that way, so that way Prism doesn't get retired. That's the working theory. (laughs) Take a guess as to how many living legend points uh, Prism has. And she's in second place, mind you. She's got to be a little over 500 at this point. Ooh, good guess. She had 560. How many do you think Bravo star of the show? Yeah. How many do you think Bravo star of the show has now? Like 999. Ooh, really close. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, 814. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah, that's incredible. So he's just done after this pro tour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's done. <laughs> this, last time I checked, it, it was uh, uh, like not even a month ago. Like it was like a week, maybe two weeks ago at, at like most. It was like five something. He had just oh, passed Shane. Crazy. He like Shane. He went up to like six, I think. Like he was bordering six, and then now he's like at eight hundred. Like all these, all these pro quests, like uh, results are coming in, and yeah. <laughs> well, especially we know we're not getting any new adult heroes until I believe they have timed that pro quest to be right before the new set drops. Is what they were saying. Really, I thought so it was like right getting, when it really drops, or like or maybe pre-release. it is the same day. Or yeah, that'll be the pre. Well, so I mean, either way, I mean, you know, there's not going to be any new adult heroes for this pro tour. Yeah. Um, so I, we could very well be looking at the end of Starvo in just a in just a little under two months. Here, that's crazy. I, I feel like they may have um, either either one or two things. Obviously, uh, if you look at hit the the past and how they've, you know had to ban some cards suddenly and errata some things and say, Oh, we made mistakes. Uh, very likely it could have just made a mistake here. Um, <laughs> you know, he could have just been in development and they were like, uh, full send, just send it out there. Just let this happen. Um, or they could have just done it as kind of like an experiment to see like, all right, let's see what living, what, let's see what happens when we make our first, like 
when we get our first hero to living legend let's just push this character as much as possible and uh yeah you know, let's see what happens when we living legend a, a hero let's see what it looks like so i actually completely agree that they are using this to test the living legend system oh, like yeah. obviously conspiracy theory but <laughs> it makes sense when you look at at starvo's card pool because what happens is if Starvo hits Living Legend, none of his cards become obsolete. They all get inherited by either Oldham or Briar or regular Bravo. You know, there's no card that's specifically attached to Starvo or is only well, playable really with Starvo. So wow. it's kind of like a failsafe where it doesn't make any cards useless if he happens to hit Living hmm. Legend. That's, um, uh, that's quite the theory, actually. That said, trade your crown of seeds now. <laughs> trade it to me. I will, I will take your crown of seeds. I'll give you, uh, let's do a discount so you don't lose too much money. <laughs> I will um, buy crown of seeds at 50% of asking price. Just an alpha investment style. Um, <laughs> but so, yeah, uh, yeah. That is interesting. 100% agree. Um, the idea that, let's say tomorrow, like Shane maybe that's not a great example. I'll say a vanilla, right? Um, a vanilla hero class got, uh, the living legend status, say rune of uh, right? Yeah. Uh, what happens to the, 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 the card pool right now, all of those cards, a lot of those cards are just not, not very useful. I mean, it more tied in any of those other heroes is like terrible, right? You can't yeah. even play it. <laughs> uh, unless some, somehow they figure out a way to, uh, mi- fill their deck with rune chant generation which is not difficult but it's it just doesn't really work out for either of those heroes shane wants to play a lot of things out of his banner zone so he didn't have space for that briar wants to play elemental cards as well yeah i mean or generics but you know but the card pool is still usable i think so viscerai i think is actually one of the safer heroes in terms of like buying into because really yeah, you're I only agree. missing out on like become the arc knight you know, is one of the cards that would get retired with him. But what's interesting is like, let's say, um, let's say, I, w- I would say like the worst one for them to hit living legend status would be Prism. Um, because Prism doesn't even oh, have yeah. a young hero. Like, you know, the young hero version of Prism is just Prism. There's no other illusionist in the game whatsoever. Well, uh, yeah, I do feel like maybe that's like, the, they may print out uh, a new illusionist in the next maybe two sets. Maybe not the oh, next they set, have but... To. The, the set coming out just because prism where she at where she's at now is uh, a place where like say starvo disappears uh and like old bravo kind of hits the forefront uh old tim does uh she has a better chance against those decks and she's gonna start racking up living legend points for sure absolutely especially with I, the yeah. new uh builds with auras oh yeah yeah, there's just there's such a ridiculous card and action point advantage with Prism's innate go again, the amount of permanence you can have on the field, the fact that you can regenerate your strength with Prism, which no other hero really has. You kind of exhaust yourself throughout the game, which is the game design, but Prism can actually take a couple of hits and then regenerate those auras and strength. Um, and I think that might be Prism's unique, like why the deck is so good is because innately she regenerates. So... Hopefully, I mean, hopefully they print some heroes that are counters to Prism in the new set. Hopefully not too good. Um, <laughs> well, I thought we like were going to do great. Uh, I think I remember hearing that we were going to Savage Lands for the next set. Ooh. Yeah, well, like, a lot of big maybe they'll finally, uh Maybe they'll finally declare them orcs. <laughs> I did read somewhere. <laughs> they are referred to as brutes. So the brute class is technically the race of brutes. But Which also, weird. Levia can be a brute, and she's a, a she's like a a quiet house servant slash tentacle monster. Well, yeah, she well, does she she can't like swap between them, right? She got like altered. No, yeah, I think she's permanent tentacle yeah. monster. But she's not like a brute brute, you know. She's not like a savage lands brute. She's just a brute for the sake of like just being a monster, you know. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. Huh. Well, James, we're going to need you to clarify this. Uh, We're going to need you to clarify the orc versus brute situation. (laughs) We understand why you're avoiding the orcs, which uh, orcs have a long and storied history of being a 
bizarre mythical creature that just happened to enter the entire like a collective unconscious with Lord of the Rings and are now in every single fantasy setting except for this one. Um, so, <laughs> so, so we'll far. get there. Oh, so living legend points. Um, you know, when we take a look at classic constructed, this is a huge issue, but where it's not a big issue is with Blitz. And I think, oh, yeah. I think this because there haven't been a lot of really big Blitz events. Um, I don't really foresee there being any in the future. At some point, I do think this game will add a very like a highly competitive blitz best of three. Um, well, I think skirmish is uh, I think skirmish counts for Living Legend. I think all those stats are reported. And additionally, the battle hardened events that are uh, blitz are going to be counted for that as well. Um, and then currently, like there's a lot of I don't know how recently they like because. Uh, skirmish season hasn't really kicked off, but right now, Ira Ira is right now the number one uh, living legend point holder, and I believe it's what five hundred for Blitz, right? To yeah, be five hundred for Blitz, and so she's uh, halfway there. And Dorinthia is uh, like second, and then Briar third. But like, because yeah. I was like all the way down there, so she's probably going to start creeping up after uh, skirmish results come through. Yeah, I think Kasai has three um, right now. So yes. that's obviously going to... Oh, yeah. Okay, so this uh, so the list I'm looking at is a little out of date then. So, so Kasai was always a significantly worse... It was not significantly, but Kasai was always just slightly worse Dorinthia, where you're trading out Dory specialization cards in exchange for cash-ins to try and get card advantage in one or two turns. Um, but... Now Kasai has her own specializations. She has all sorts of ways to generate copper tokens. They made the huge mistake of printing um, Blade Runner, which is, in my opinion, one of the most busted cards they have printed anytime soon. And um, certainly feels like it enables that deck to just kind of do whatever the hell it wants at any time. Running Absolutely. nine of them is kind of just like, yeah, so I'm attacking with my weapons twice all the time. Exactly. And they're going to get big. <laughs> and then you miss you mix that with like Glint of Quicksilver, which is going to give you, uh, is it Glint of Quicksilver? I do yeah. think it is. Um, yeah. it, which is going to give you go again on top of card advantage against your opponent. And that's why in a very harsh, quick segue into our next segment, <laughs> and to answer your question, Hasiel, um, all of 20 minutes later, my pick and favorite hero going into the skirmish season is Kasai. Kasai is just on another level right now. Um, I, Matt, I know you've mentioned to me that you haven't played a lot of Blitz, but do you have a favorite Blitz deck right now? So the Blitz deck I find the most fun uh, is Data Doll. But do I think I'll play Data Doll at uh, Skirmish? Probably not. Um, I played a lot of this and uh, this right now is really, you know, slated to perform extremely well. Um, he's got the, the fridge of equipment to block. Uh, and that's kind of what you need right now in blitz to give you free turns uh, of five card hands um, and kind of like turn the tide to your opponent. Um, and right now the top three heroes can do that the best. And that's why they're there. Kasai and her boots blocking forever and uh this and his uh potential block for seven depending on the the kind of uh turn it is uh he's really good um but yeah i'll, I'll more more than likely end up playing viscerai uh for any skirmish season i play any skirmish event but i do find data a lot of fun to play and maybe i'll give her yeah. a try depending if i win my first one which you know i don't really uh i don't have no delusions about winning any of these but i'd like to definitely give it uh the best i can best try i can yeah i mean so data doll is really fun but i think data doll has two huge issues uh the first being well in terms of like i mean obviously it's very fun to play but in terms of the competitive issues with data doll and why i think data doll needs to be fixed a little bit if lss ever wants her to be usable um is the three intelligence is just absolutely an insane hit um it's yeah, in a it, format like Blitz is all aggro. There is no control deck in Blitz. There's no mid-range deck mm -hmm. in Blitz. It is all aggro. Go for it. Like 
You could kind of argue that Viscerai is kind of a mid-range deck because you kind of buy a couple turns to go for that OTK. Um, but everything else is just full speed, kick the crap out of everyone as fast as possible. And not only does Data Doll have that intellect penalty where you can only have three cards, Data Doll has one of the largest problems in the game, which is the vast majority of her deck is item cards, and item cards can't defend. So a lot of the time with Data Doll, you're just kind of taking huge hits. Um, and the way that Kasai, Benji, Dory, Viserai, I mean, even Reinar, or even Ko, mm-hmm. uh, to, a, to a lesser extent, are built right now, um, you're just not going to survive to turn three. You just die to both. You, you just die to Benji. Like you just, you can't stop his spring tiding. Like you block with your four, like your skull cap and your chest. And then he just, uh, goes over for one damage on uh, razor reflex. Right. And that's it. Yeah. You, you lost the game. Um, and then, yeah, he draws four cards or whatever it is. Uh, yeah. You know, and, and against Kasai, it's just incredible. The amount of value she'll just get out of you not blocking and the damage too. You know, it's uh, it's near pretty unwinnable. Um, I haven't really played it all that much. I played a little bit actually more Viscerai recently uh, over her in Blitz, and Viscerai performs really well, and especially into Kasai. I've had a bad, a couple bad games where Blood of the Hand resolves, and she kind of just kicks my butt. But uh, yeah. Viscerai can actually uh, pull in a lot of damage with the fewest cards possible. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I've actually, I've been, I've been messing around with my Kasai list and I actually am about to drop cash ins, uh, which is interesting because that, that was kind of her signature card in the beginning. Um, and it's, uh, it's, it's interesting. The, the whole deck is kind of, it's coming together. It's getting like, I don't know. It's just, it's so good, especially against Benji you don't get baited into blocking the needles you can continually block for one with valiant dynamo and i don't know i i mean i think i've i've definitely have a really rough matchup against reinar um viscerai is about 50 50 it just depends on the viscerai player and um yeah so i don't know it's it's interesting uh That said, though, there is kind of a rogue deck that I like a lot for this upcoming skirmish season. And uh, I know it's kind of a meme, but OTK Runeblade Shyana um, (laughs) is actually not a bad deck. It's really interesting. What does that even look like? (laughs) So you combine. So like uh, you run like, uh, you know, you're, you're running become the Arknight. You're running uh, just every single Runeblade specialization card. So, uh, who do you who who is the best here to play against for the best odds? Like Viscerai. If you play against Viscerai, do you kind of just like? <laughs> yeah, I mean, certainly playing against like playing against the Viscerai or a Briar is really good because you get to copy their abilities. Mm-hmm. But really, the main goal and what you want to do uh, with this OTK Shiana build is um. Is you kind of like the key is to use a combination of uh, force of nature, um, become the Arc Knight, and then uh, oh gosh, I always forget what chain specialization is called. Soul Reaping. So you're using a combination of those three uh, to just get off an absolutely massive attack, and then you add in the I respect cards, the Whirling Mist Blossoms, uh, because that card's insane. Uh, where if it's the second or higher chain link in a row to hit, you draw two cards. It's really like Jeez. the best card in those starter decks. And then on top of that, you know, you're adding like E-Strikes. It's just, it very much plays like a Briar deck, but then you get the ability of adding in like Become the Arc Knight. So that way you can specifically search for, um, you know, things like Whirling Miss Blossom or even Force of Nature. Um, like the, one of the keys with Force of Nature is you're just going to keep chaining those together and then you can search your deck for them, which is really disgusting. and don't get me wrong, the deck isn't, it's not tier one, it's not S tier, but I think it's a lot better than people think it is. Hmm. I might actually put it together just so I can test it and be like, oh, I'm um, stupid. Force of Nature is a specialization? (laughs) Yeah, Force of Nature is a Briar specialization card. 
and that's really that's really the uh, the crux of the deck is force of nature. Um, and then you know you're obviously the key is to OTK with like stubby hammers where you just destroy <laughs> it, and then all attack action cards with three or less uh, base power, and then they get plus one. And really, you can just keep chaining like uh, you can keep chaining stuff together off whirling mist blossom and force of nature, and then searching for them. It it gets really crazy. Yeah, it sounds uh, crazy. A lot Sounds of the other insane. stuff in the deck is attack reacts, like razor reflex, <laughs> and it um, yeah, it gets it gets real weird, it gets real weird. Wow, Shiana OTK. I don't know if I ever would have ever expected to hear those two words uh, spoken at once, but right, that's interesting. <laughs> Always wondered about Shiana actually being like how would, how would that duck look, you know? But uh, yeah, that sounds actually like a lot of fun. Yeah, and it kind of makes sense, right? Like they keep accidentally printing overpowered rune blade cards and then having to nerf one card to hurt each rune blade. But when their powers combine, <laughs> <laughs> force of nature in one deck alongside come the Arknight and Soul yeah. Reaping. Will Shiana rune blade Voltron? It's a real thing. Um, Sounds good. Yeah. And so I actually, I, uh, Shiana was one of the first cards that like was like one of the first expensive cards I wanted to buy because I just, I like to be annoying <laughs> and like, so trying to build around that deck, something I've been trying to do for a while. And, uh, it, uh, finally I've seen these lists show up with aggro Shiana. They look pretty great. However, this leads into a great question. So when we look at this top tier of like Dory, Kasai, Briar, Benji, even Viserai, OTK, um, Reinar, Kaio, where you're trying to hit for like 25 each turn. Um, is Blitz getting a little too aggressive? Or do you think that that means it's just working as intended? Hmm. Uh, I think Blitz is right now... I don't know. It's It feels like it's way too, too aggressive. I mean, even Ultim, who's like top tier right now, is running like E-Strikes and just is so <laughs> aggressive. Like, I played a game uh, with... I just just practiced. I played a game with Ultim, and I was turn one. I had like uh, a blue and awakening, and I was playing against Benji, uh, which I mean would just be a normally a normal, normally just a good match no matter no matter what. But I went down to I just took all the damage, went down to ten. And I was like, okay, awakening, go grab pulverize, uh, <laughs> put that in my hand, ten uh, seismic surges, and then I go okay, turn one, uh, play uh, uh, tear sunder. Pulverize for uh, 15 Dominate? And, like, what do you do? Like, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Awakening is just such a dumb card. Well, especially, you know, I feel like, yeah, I mean, Awakening is disgusting. It's, yeah. uh, it's no matter where you're at. Obviously, it's a little bit weaker in Blitz, but it doesn't, it's not that bad, you know? It still makes a lot of uh, seismic surges. It's very valuable with doing that. Yeah. And just I, I feel like Guardian benefits a lot from the Blitz. It's unfortunate their decks are slow, but they benefit a lot from the sideboarding rules of the Blitz format because you already want to drag so much equipment with you everywhere with Guardian. Mm -hmm. And being able to have that default, you know, you have 11 equipment slots regardless of how the rest of your deck's constructed in Blitz. I think that helps a lot. Although, to be fair, for the most part, it's about seven equipment slots. Um, because everybody's running a full set of null rune. Yeah, I mean, or their staple equipments and stuff. Um, what, what would you think uh, you change about the Blitz format in terms of like deck construction, right? Uh, so sideboarding, right? Uh, maybe deck size. Do you think you would change something uh, about that? Do you think you would add more sideboard slots for cards? Or do you think that uh, a 40-card deck should be enough and then... Uh, there should be more or fewer equipment slots. I think, I mean, it's obviously a very, it's obviously a giant change to the format, but I think I, and I hate to say this, I think I make Blitz a little bit closer to Magic. I think I make it 61 card, present a deck of 40, um, and then you sideboard in between games and make it best of three. Hmm. I think that's how they're going to make it more competitive because it just. Well, do you mean including sideboard uh, like uh, playable cards, like actions and cards for your deck? Or do you? Yeah, I think equipment? so. I think we go to 61, including equipment. 
So that way it opens up 10 slots for you to. I like that. That's actually out. pretty good. That um, sounds like a great format. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I and then it's best of three. So it's a little bit, it's a little bit quicker. Um, mm-hmm. You can kind of play around your opponent. Cause like, I mean, right now, like if, cause blitz is the entry point into the game for so many players. Um, you know, you put together your blitz deck based on your favorite hero. You show up to your first event, you get stomped in 10 minutes, and then you got to sit around and wait for your next match. Uh, and then that just keeps happening over and over again. And it feels like there's nothing you can do about it. So maybe your best of three kind of smooths out that new player experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. It, it is interesting, though, because I do think blitz needs a couple tweaks to become a serious format. It is a very good format, but I think it's not serious yet. And I think that's part of like what um, drive kind of not drives me away, but like what pulls me more to CC, right? Um, it is best of one, but it does feel like there's so much more going on in the 50 minutes that you're playing. Yeah. Right? And then you have a, you have the sideboard ability to sideboard between your match, right? You decide right before you play after you roll your dice. And, um, you know, it just feels like, more competitive but splits is kind of just like okay well you have the equipment for this matchup or you don't and you just run the game as it is right and now you're forced to end up like jamming defense reactions into your main deck when you don't want them yeah and other pieces that you maybe don't want like in the like for example you just were discussing uh maybe now running captions because they weren't always that great in some of your matchups but now if you played if the blitz format was the way you described it uh, you would be able to run them in the main board and then have your sideboard option on the side. And yeah. you would be able to side those in and out depending on your matchup where you're like, oh, I don't feel like I'll be able to get as many hits in or too much copper or I don't want the two block in my deck. I don't want the yellow pitch in my deck. I want a blue. And you'll have those options in your sideboard. And I feel like yeah, that's absolutely. really that that'll actually really make the blitz format healthier and uh I think you can potentially even move to like best of three, but the problem there is that blitz matches are are already 30 minutes. And if you have three matches, both going to time, you end up having an hour and a half round. So maybe best of three isn't the right play, but having that uh, smaller deck, similar, uh, similar play style to CC where you sideboard before playing could be the right, uh, could be the right uh, direction to take the format. Absolutely. I think that's 100% correct. So, usually I like to keep these things on the down low. But, I want to talk about a card in Blitz right now that may be completely underrated, may be sitting in your bulk box, but has a place in every single Blitz deck this upcoming skirmish season. Um, And what I think is the number one card you should have in your list of 51. And that's Spellfray Cloak. Um, Oh, actually, I I agree. (laughs) I think it's a good card. A Spellfray, a Spellfray in general are good. Spellfray is good. Just because, you know, mana is such a premium and dropping a card out of your hand to prevent some prevent one arcane damage, especially if it's going to save you the game and being able to turn around next turn, especially on a very aggressive deck like Briar or Kasai or Benji, having that spell for a cloak where you can just sack it to prevent one arcane damage. Um, that is awesome. That yeah. works so well. And so that for me is my sleeper. Do you have a sleeper card? Well, I'd like to just also point out, um, you should be, depending on your deck, right? I think what you should do is play uh, Null Rune alongside the same slot as some of your Spell Fray items. And then depending on whether you're going first or second, determines whether you have Null Rune or you have Spell Fray. If you're going second, uh, I would keep the Null Rune so you can still pitch and prevent damage. Or if you're going first, yeah. you want to keep the Spell Fray so you can be on the you can be on the aggressive and still block Kano damage when they play on your turn or they play on their turn. So you don't have to pitch anything for your next second turn. So you're playing Bolton where he just does super, super resource starved. You could just play Spell Fray instead of playing Null Rune if you're on the play. You just start swinging through, hitting them with damage. They'll block They'll do whatever they need to do. Then on their turn, they try to come in for damage. You can spell spell void one or two or three, depending on what you have set up. And then next turn, just be like, okay, here's lethal, essentially. Yeah. 
Absolutely. So without I, having to pitch any mana at all or resource, you know? Yeah. And it's, it's such a swing. And so, I don't know. Yeah, Spellfray 100% is my yeah. choice. Well, um, sleeper cards. What do I think? That's a tough choice. I've never, I don't know if I really gave it that much thought. Um, uh, well, as a Runeblade player, hmm, maybe, uh, I don't know if it's so much of a sleeper. I think they play it in their decks, but just like you said, re- everything's so resource intensive. They want to keep their cards in their hands. Making them discard is going to be very rough, but like, so I would say probably something like Consuming Volition or Reek of Corruption. Like those cards are great. You need to run them. Um, yeah. or just, or just consuming depending on your, how you want your curve to be like, you know, if you think you can reliably do that arcane damage or you can reliably make that aura, um, they're going to be forced into blocking that, which makes it easier for you to get through with a meet and greet or a dread trip ditch or something. Cause they're going to try to block that, uh, consuming volition. You can punish them or you can follow, uh, up a larger attack with a consuming volition where they have fewer cards in hand to block with. Yeah. And really punish them for, uh, blocking. Yeah. I don't know. It's, very it's true. Uh, not something I've given a lot of thought of. I think what people need to look at a little bit more are those amulets and talismans. There's a lot of stuff there that uh, haven't, haven't really been considered for a lot of decks. I think I saw so, I saw a Benji list that had an amulet of assertiveness. And if you have a, an attack in your arsenal, that could be really good. You can just kind of uh, fire off your attack. You still have four cards in hand and then play crack the amulet and then you can get an extra card to play with. Yeah. You know, um, I don't know. There are a lot of good talisman and ambulance that they released recently. So I just think those are worth taking a look at and seeing if they fit into your lists. So I do have one other sleeper card. And um, I feel like I need to point out one weird, you know, I, since we're, you know, some <laughs> card game judges here, I feel like I do need to point oh, out sure. one weird should have checked the text and read it card per game. Sleeper card number two gambler's gloves (laughs) because it does not only affect your own dice rolls yeah you can make somebody else go again and re-roll one of their die uh which is really great against ko um where they only have a 33 percent chance of hitting that five or a six Uh, if they hit it you can gambler's gloves their roll and make them re-roll it and so they roll a like a six on a rolling thunder. I don't know if they run that card, but it also synergizes with their uh, the fist that they run the fist item. If they roll like a five or a six, they can get plus one, and they can also get the buff on rolling thunder. Make them re-roll that uh, and help them roll low. But I feel like it's maybe better used on the actual attacks so that they don't have a command and conquer coming into you for like twelve. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But definitely, yeah, definitely. If you have, if you feel like you have the sideboard slots available, just throw gambler gloves in there. You'll just run into a KO randomly, and you'll be happy you had them. Yeah, absolutely. It'll just, uh, it'll completely change your life, hopefully. <laughs> or they'll just roll six again. Or you think somebody's playing like Prism Crazy Brews or something like that? Something weird. <laughs> or uh, <laughs> or uh, old him with like Sledge and with Crazy Brews or something like that. I don't know. Just yeah, make right. them re-roll that die. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So I think I'm pretty excited for skirmish season. I obviously cold foil young heroes, obviously going to show up for that cold foil copper tokens for the Kasai player might as well Jeez. be selling catnip. Um, so I'm pretty excited. That's the first cold uh, foil token they've released, actually. Oh really? Not that's yeah, not guess, that's yeah, not, not including the allies allies. and heroes. The allies. Oh yeah, the ally. Yeah, but they're yeah. you know allies are weird. Um, well, speaking of young heroes, uh, and cold foils and cold foil young heroes, um, it seems like uh, you know, New Jersey's about to get musical. Um, oh, yeah, with a new bard class and um. Honestly, the second gimmickiest hero they've ever printed behind sure the Gemkeeper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I was going to say, are you sure it's not the first gimmickiest? But uh, yeah, no, that's that's a fair that's a fair point. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, who has the time to get the PSA 10 generics? 
I'm telling you, man, somebody out there is starting a collection. They're going to come in with a, a huge custom made box to hold all of their PSA 10s. You're going to have uh, higher security all next to them <laughs> with their their huge deck box worth like a million dollars of PSA 10 slabs. Huh. Somehow Rudy convinced them to print a card that only he would ever be able to build a deck for. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so I don't know. How do you feel about this new Bard Hero? Is it too much of a gimmick? Is it too exclusive? Do you think <sighs> it's a good thing? I think it's not going to be legal at all. <laughs> I mean, as as funny as it is to talk about the the rules play around it and all that stuff, I think it's just going to be a collector's thing. I don't I don't understand how they could ever like. I don't understand you could ever seriously think that that would be like fine like to play for real <laughs> yeah like it just or or upf like that's the only thing i can think of is like upf everybody's playing with the same sleeves oh no that actually be worse in upf it's like i don't i think it's such a it'd be no not upf i'm sorry what i meant to say was pve um the bard class in pve where everybody shares the same deck would be interesting um and it might be kind of like a default character used to like initiate the pve it seems like kind of one of those like static effects uh things that you would include you know in a in a casual like format for magic like wizard's tower where you have one pile in the middle everyone draws from right so maybe uh that's what the bard is potentially the uh so the real problem i have with this card is that it's gross um and so (laughs) so okay so hear me out and I don't mean gross in the way that people use it online. I mean, like, physically, this card is disgusting. Um, because, you know, your deck is going to get shuffled with somebody else's deck, right? And especially in UPF, there's four decks. They're all getting shuffled together. I mean, I know you've definitely picked up somebody else's deck before and just been like, what the hell's on your sleeves? Like, how did this get here? So yeah. what's happening with a Yorick player is that their sleeves are suddenly turning into this cesspool of every game they have ever played. They're touching all these dirty sleeves and they never go away. So the next game they play, they're now cross contaminating <laughs> that game with the game oh they played God. before. And it's just going to get worse until like, you're like, where'd you get these like furry lime green sleeves for your bard? This is cool. Um, <laughs> And so I, that's my main problem is like, I don't know if you've ever seen like a CEDH player in Magic, for whatever reason, there's always grime on their sleeves. And I feel like it's going to get all over. It's because they play test classes. like 10 times. <laughs> they play like 10 times over. They can play 10, 10 games in 20 minutes, you know? Like I'm super stoked. So I'm a musician. I'm stoked for a bard class. Yeah. And it's so much play testing. It's like your, your Yorick deck is going to get shuffled with everyone's gross deck in history ever. Um, and so you, know you what? just play with those sleeves. Like, can you imagine? I, I still, I think it's funny. Like, yeah, you play with, yeah, you play with no sleeves. That's way better. <laughs> yeah, the whole uh, your physical card shuffling in between everyone else's sleeves. I feel like if you're if you're a York player, you need to get what they call character sleeves, the like triple sleeve, <laughs> where it's like a hard case that goes on the outside of your double sleeve cards. Jeez. Um. So I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm a little bit joking. And as a musician, I'm really stoked that they're bringing Bard as a class. Like I, I was a big EverQuest player back in the day, and I enjoyed <laughs> playing Bard. Um, but I don't know. Like, uh, this is such a weird deck. This is a weird card. Uh, you know what this reminds me of, though? This what? is shared. This is like shared fate. The enchantment or magic. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, five. Is, it's a five minute enchantment that says, uh, "If you would draw a card instead, exile the top card of an opponent's deck face down. You may look at it, and then uh, you may play cards from there instead." I think that's fine though, because they're only touching one card. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to make it as close of a comparison <laughs> as possible. No, but, but you're right. Yeah, yeah like shared fate, absolutely, or like, uh, or even like, um, there's like that magic card, worst fears, where your opponent like controls your deck and everything for whole. Like, I mean, there's several cards like this, like yeah, Mind Slayer Magic, notably. But it's like one of the worst things that can happen to you in any game. And like, you know, you hand like whatever three cards are in your hand, you hand to somebody else, and you're like, oh, this is kind of weird. But now we're doing that with everything. Um, yeah. <laughs> this, I don't know. I, this is this is a, I think 
like I said, it's either going to be for some kind of where like everyone agrees, like this is going to be a combined deck kind of game and you play PVE or this is just going to be a gimmicky promo, right? Like a sought after card. I think that's all it is going to be or just some yeah. something commemorative because also this is the first hero with flavor text on the bottom. If you've not noticed, yeah, he's got a song and like the first yeah. two verses rhyme and then it really comes off the trail, comes off the rails. And oh, I actually didn't read it. I just saw that it was italicized. I'm like, Oh, flavor text. <laughs> yeah. It's a story of legend is said to be told the dawn of a new age, a sight to behold from all corners of wraith heroes. They came the common language they spoke was that of great games. So it does finish with a typical oh. rhyme scheme. Great games, the common language. Um, yeah. I don't know if you play Bard, wash your hands. I think that's what I'm saying. I can't imagine this being for anything else other than a PvE, though. But, yeah. So how much a secondary market? How much do you uh, think this card's going to go for? When the at first, when everyone's just trying to get a little bit of extra money for their uh, trip to New Jersey, probably forty bucks, fifty bucks. Oh. Yeah, I'd pay forty, fifty bucks for one of these. Yeah, and then um, when they announce VV for sure, like with the new set release, they'll probably be a little bit more, or they'll release you know, a non-cold foil version in the set, uh, like as a mythic or something, like a majestic. Kind of just like not really that playable in CC, but it's like you know they included a majestic they included majestic uh, adult hero in a set with just uh, two other majestic young heroes. Uh, they'll probably just do like a majestic young hero in a set made for CC or you know whatever else. It could be in the yeah. next set, you know, non foil. Well, you know it's interesting now that you say that the gears are turning in my brain. So here's this gross card with a mechanic that doesn't make sense. Um, that is being given out on the same day that the pre-release of a new set is happening. Um, mm. You know, perhaps there's some PVE on the horizon. Perhaps. Um, I don't know. That's quite weird. Uh, huh. Maybe you play against the bard. Maybe the bard, you start the game with the bard and the bard tells the tale of the heroes and the heroes have to band together and then explain that that's that's probably what it is the bar tells the story of the heroes and the heroes do their feats by attacking and playing items and doing this and that that just sounds kind of like what would happen i don't know yeah weird interesting that's right, so my anyway, guess. if you want to offload one of these for 40 bucks uh you can contact me on twitter at dj1088 um so <laughs> yeah or or go to pro tour and get one i don't think you have to attend a pro tour i think you just have to buy a package and you get one Oh, you have to be like invited to the pro tour. You can go to the calling there and uh, get one of them just by buying a package. I did see that. And speaking of the packages, these are kind of nice, especially compared to like, uh, like Matt, did you ever go to like a magic, the gathering grand prix or like a pro tour or anything where they had these package um, events? Yeah, but I, um, I don't know if I bought any playmat package. The one I remember last going to, um, I've been to uh, two GPs by the way. Um, and the one I went to that I bought a package at, I believe, was... Um, I mean, it was Orlando, but it was 2017, I think. And uh, I bought the Commander package. It came with, like, a deck box and tickets to enter the Commander casual, like, on-demand games. And uh, I don't think I got a playmat. I think I probably got, like, promos or something. Um, but yeah, the, they had, like, the packages with the with the GP event or uh, the big side event one where they give you a play mat and like uh, a bunch of tickets, but I wasn't sure how many events I'd be playing that evening. So I didn't really buy any tickets. Yeah, that's reasonable. I mean, pro tour or uh, grand prix Miami in 2015, I think was like the last really big trading card event I went to. And like my $60 package included uh, a play mat. Um, of, oh, I forget is the name of the, the card one. It's it's not the it's the one where the with the surfing goblin from cons of Tarkir. Oh yeah, I know that one. Yeah. Um, and then like a and then two uh two tickets for side events, and I don't know it. Uh, this seems like a significantly better deal than any Magic GP I've gone to. Uh, I mean, in terms of what they're handing out. Last the uh, the calling nationals that I went to in Orlando, that was a great deal. I mean, they gave you a pulse of Eisenloft playmat with a uh, 
with a uh, Lady Bartamont Barthamont uh, promo uh, Channel Fireball deck box and uh, your tickets to enter to uh, drafts. And if you bought like the side event package, you got the uh, Fulminate playmat instead. Yeah, those are really good arts. I mean, they're not like crazy. They're not like anything crazy expensive or anything, but they're nice, you know. Yeah, I will say I do have and I know I've brought this up to a few people who have asked me. Um, uh, you know, I've I've judged a couple pro quests like uh, very heavily involved in trading card judging and people are asking me, Doug, are you going to judge the pro tour? Number one, don't want to go to New Jersey, but it's flesh and blood. So, you know, I can ignore where I'm at. However, are you aware that uh, so Channel Fireball, actually, I know that they don't they're they have a they have a reputation of undercompensating judges compared to like SCG or just straight up from the card game itself. But for whatever reason, they're having such a difficult time staffing this event that they have actually opened up the judging to level zero judges um, or rules advisors, which is really fascinating to me. Hmm. You would think that they would up the compensation just to, I mean, there's so like, I mean, there's not a lot of judges for this game, right? There's like very few level twos, but the, um, I actually, I believe the staffing applications closed today. So oh maybe uh, maybe there'll be uh, some sort of some sort of change in what's going on, but it's mm. so interesting. Maybe I'll throw and, my hat in there. Throw my yeah, hat right? in the, the box. We'll see. Yeah, I mean they're they're offering it, it's like one hundred fifty dollars a day compensation plus uh, if you end up judging all three days, it's like six boxes. So it's not terrible. Wow, it's just incredible. because <laughs> flights are so expensive right now. You end up break like it ends up costing you money to judge the pro tour. No, that's not good. Um, which isn't great. I mean, obviously, if you're in New England or like the like the east coast of the United States, anywhere north of Georgia, it's like nowhere near as terrible as it is. Well, um, um, they give you um, you said $150 a day. Um, plus a box of Everfest and a box of Monarch. Per day. Uh, per day, yes. Yeah, but additionally, you have judge promos provided by LSS, right? And Playmats? Yeah. Okay, so uh, presumably, I, I think, they haven't announced them yet. Well, I, mean, I, I gotta imagine they have promos and Playmats, but you're right. Um, I, I think that's kind of more than break even, right? If you end up getting, uh, if you end up uh, judging all three days, that's four hundred fifty bucks. That pays for your ticket, right? Yeah. Um, probably a few boxes. That's enough for the rest of your evening, like the rest of your like the three days, you know. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Seems all right. I've never judged an event yet. Like I really, and for Magic either. I've been, I've been a judge since like uh, September. And uh, I just haven't had an opportunity to, you know, um, I've been trying to talk to like I've talked to stores before and, you know, been like, hey, you know, keep me in mind. Like the guys are Prodigy. They know my my inf- my contact info, but like they already have like Michael uh, that judges over there as well. And they have I don't know about how you want to play, but I've, I've talked to like Vinny before very briefly. So I don't know. Maybe I need to like give them my contact info. And maybe I can go judge something down there one of these days. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and I need to work on getting my flesh and blood judge test passed as well. Um, so I can actually start judging those. Yeah, I find that like with most magic judging that I do, because there really aren't magic events anymore, you know, mm-hmm. at least not the way they're used to be. They still pop up here and there. But I've found that most magic judging I do is kind of like me playing EDH in a corner while other people play modern. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> So I don't know. I mean, definitely after doing some pro quests and some stricter, higher rule stuff for flesh and blood, it'd be cool to do it with magic. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, it's quite interesting. And so hopefully they can uh, they can kind of figure this out. So there's actually two more days still to sign up to uh, judge Pro Tour New Jersey. So mm-hmm. I'm not entirely out. I've got 48 hours to convince myself. Um, so yeah, 12 hour shifts. They emphasize physical labor on every single uh, every single thing. So it's really interesting. They're not just trying to judge. They're trying to uh, they are trying to absolutely staff this at every single level. Um, I think it's because they have um, prize wall uh, merch to handle. They have uh, 
the sign-up booths to manage with the boxes of product and the computers and stuff. Um, walking around, setting out slips and uh, the meetup uh, signs and stuff. Uh, the meeting points, setting all of those up. Uh, probably that's the extent of it, but I'm sure they need to include it in the description. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I can't imagine it's that much more physical. Like, I don't know. The, the merchants set up their tables, right? Well, yeah, absolutely. So there is one other thing. If you are headed to Pro Tour New Jersey, um, here's the biggest life tip I will give you. Uh, and I know there another Flesh and Blood. Flesh and Pod actually is another Flesh and Blood podcast where I heard this tip for the first time in my life. It absolutely blew my mind. If you are searching for flights or hotels to go somewhere, do it in an incognito window yes. because those companies are evil. They will see that you're looking for flights there and they will slowly increase your prices. And you can actually do this with your regular cookies and then open up an incognito window on another device. And you'll be like, why is this so much cheaper? Um, because they know that you are looking for it and they are going to trick you into thinking it's selling out and prices have to go higher when really they're struggling to fill up flights. Uh, so definitely do that. See how cheap you can get up there for. It's going to be a crazy event. It seems like uh, even if you're just going to play in the calling, just to be a part of it and to mm -hmm. hang around and then like listen to people cheer and constantly ask the professor for his autograph, it sounds oh, great. Man. And then yeah. I remember a few years ago, you probably could have seen, uh, you know, Rudy or the professor at uh, an event or something. Rudy actually doesn't go to any events anymore, but. Um, you could have seen them at an event and then maybe like casually walked up to them to greet them. You know, there might've been a little bit of a crowd, but you know, you probably could have, you know, greeted them. You probably still can. I just think that their popularity skyrocketed a lot. So, you know, they'd kind of be like the, uh, the main attraction for like a table or something like a special table to go check out and meet and talk to them, you know? Uh, yeah. And, you know, I actually saw Rudy. I didn't I didn't walk up to him and talk to him, but I saw Rudy at the GP, the last GP I went to in 2018. I think it was 2019, maybe um, it was a magic fest. It was Orlando and he was there. Yeah, uh, he, he said he would be there and he was talking to like a big group of people. Uh, but I didn't want to just try to go over there and jam my way in and say anything. <laughs> I was kind of waiting with my buddies weren't like the greatest fans of his either so i was kind of just waiting for my next round to start because i think i was playing some legacy yeah so i don't know if i, I run like, into him i'll oh, talk to him in his Rudy. own voice <laughs> hey what's up Rudy? Time for Rudy, the box office. You. You too. <laughs> um so uh, so the other thing and the last thing i wanted to touch on is this is something we were talking about in the pre-show and we couldn't find a straight answer on it anywhere it took us a lot of research and we actually got there and i didn't realize this and there are a PTI is different from a pro tour invite, um, which is insane to me. Uh, not really insane. Like just, I can see how I was easily misled. Um, and so it's really interesting. The breakdown of PTIs and you were really the one to bring this to my attention and clarify and clarify it for me. So Matt, why don't you break this down for us? Yeah, it's on, not totally. Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. Just go ahead. Yeah, it's not totally clear um, how this how these things work, but um, as far as like it's, it's not the information is not like publicly out there. Like if you just attend or sign up for a ProQuest or attend or sign up for RTN, um, the info is not like clearly there. But uh, as far as like your Pro Tour invite you receive for uh, topping a ProQuest, those Pro Tour invites are not the same as a professional uh, tournament invite which is the actual acronym for the PTI. Uh, the Pro Tour invite, if, for some reason, the, it being shortened is different, uh, is only good for the that season of the Pro Tour, right? So we are in season one of ProQuest. They've, they've already uh, concluded. And now we are in the lull before the ProQuest, the Pro Tour. So those invites handed out during ProQuest season are going to be ProQuest season one are valid for Pro Tour one. Now, after Pro Tour, we have the following ProQuest Season 2, and those will be valid for Pro Tour 2. Uh, Pro Tour 2 would be in France, though. So if you are in the States, you have no intention of flying internationally, and you top a Pro Tour, uh, if you top a ProQuest here in the States, ProQuest 2 in the States, that PTI is only valid for France. 
So, hmm. I mean, I, I don't know what this means. I think for judges, something to be like aware of is, uh, you know, people maybe trying to resolve some sort of like price splitting in the final two tables, you know, we, we were discussing that, like, uh, you know, what would happen me, me and a couple of us who were ha- talking about that after Armory last night, like what would happen if um, you wanted to uh, get first place at a ProQuest number two, uh, but the guy you would you would be or play against actually wants the PDI and they intend to go to France, but you don't, right? But you want the prizing, right? Uh, could, you know, try to, try to uh, hustle a way to like, you know, uh, get the prizing, but also like let that guy technically win. I don't know. It's, it's weird stuff, you know, like I guess it'd only be possible if you knew the person they'd be willing to take the win and then also just let you have the prizing. I don't know. It's, it's, if you win, I don't know. It's kind of one of those weird things. I was just kind of like, you know, uh, what's the word for it? Uh, uh I don't know. Um, conspiring maybe, you know? Oh uh, yeah. Like a, uh, I see what you're saying though, where you kind of like set it up to like, throw somebody else into a pro tour or whatever. Correct. Yeah. But also still win, right? Still win yeah. that match, but throw the PTI. Cause if you win, you can't pass that PTI down. Yeah. As far, wait, as far as I know, could you pass that PTI down? If you, I, I think if you are already qualified, you can pass it down to second place. Right. Correct. But if you're not, you can't, that's the problem. Um, so that's why I was saying like, maybe there'd be some, way to work around that but it'd be tough if you don't know the person is what yeah, i know they have the buying and selling program but i don't know if that just exclusively applies to ptis or if it can also apply buying to and selling? tokens or don't they don't they prohibit that no they don't um they actually i don't know if you saw this so they published a list of everybody invited to the pro tour i did see that <laughs> and there was a list of people who bought them so there's just did, a list I, of shame <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did notice that. It's very funny. And I thought that, though, they only have it marked as a transfer, meaning, though, you could gift the PT, gift the PTI, right? But if you, I guess it, I don't know if they have anything against you announcing that you've sold the PTI, like I bought this PTI or I sold my PTI, you know? Uh, yeah, I'm sure like one of those 13 people saved someone's life and they were like, how do I repay you? Here's this PTI people are paying thousands of dollars for. But everybody else bought one. So you can yeah, print out that list and put it in certain. your deck box. <laughs> yeah, I'd look for the list be like, oh, free win, thank God. <laughs> All right. Or even just get into their head. Yeah. Oh, I heard you uh, about that PTI. Hmm. Didn't do too good in ProQuest, huh? Mm, look at all shame. these copper tokens. I don't too know. bad I won three of them. <laughs> all right yeah uh yeah you know it's odd and the pcis are from uh road to nationals only and uh battle hardens or uh or a calling winning a calling those are valid for uh, non they're not expiring they're valid for any professional level tournament huh right on. yeah so yeah it's, it's just odd that they don't really uh delve into that too much they don't really uh explain those points the way they work yeah but i yeah. uh yeah so i don't know maybe maybe i will go to the pro tour maybe i won't i'm still thinking about it i um it just seems like cool you know it'll be a super cool story obviously it's super inconvenient to like go to new jersey mm. uh but you know It'll be a cool story to tell people. I was there. I was at the first pro tour um, back before it was sold to Wizards of the Coast. So I <laughs> really, I don't know. No, no, I mean, I'm joking. That's like <laughs> just the worst case scenario of what could happen in this card game. Um, so <laughs> getting sold to Wizards of the Coast. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, that would be yeah. uh, not good. Not good. Cool. So I'm looking forward to it. Um mm-hmm. I oh, think sure. we covered everything we need to cover. Matt, do you have any final thoughts? Final thoughts? Hmm. Interesting. Well, I'm excited for the armory for next uh, month. How about you, Mr. Oh. Prism Player? Oh, so that's what's really interesting, right? Is like this this month has been, oh, you want an armory? It's like, here's here's a $10 cold foil that no one's ever going to want. But next month, if you win an armory, you can like eat for a week. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think at first, uh, I think, I think at first, if you're trying to make a, if you're trying to sell these things, just probably do it immediately. Uh, there are going to be a lot of armories, a lot of people getting these. Uh, I think there's a lot of them too. They think there's like four of each pitch. I think there's like 12. Yeah. Maybe more. So like they're going to be giving multiples out per day. Oh, it's so great. So that's going to be good. Like, I don't think you need to necessarily get first to win them. And plus the store here just do whatever they want. Just like raffle them off or whatever. I don't know. That'd yeah. be pretty good. Uh, yeah. But yeah, that's going to be pretty sweet. Uh, and the mats so sweet. Shimmers yeah, me, used to be exclusive to judge mats. Obviously my shimmers play mat futures investments and in shambles, but I don't think so. It's still shimmers. Not, not as much as it was a month ago, but yeah, it's uh. Yeah, I'm I'm still seeing them sell for like a buck fifty to two hundred American, so it's not too bad. Oh, right on. Yeah, that's a that'll be fun, you know. Um, still playing Viscerai. I don't know if I'll change. Uh, I've been testing a little brood out, but uh, that's about it for me. I haven't really tried any other new decks. Yeah. Hmm. Maybe I need How about to pick you? up. I have been slowly building Viserai. I Ooh. need somebody to trade me some combination of like Grasp of Arc Knight, Spellbound Creepers. Like I, I'm trying to trade for the two last pieces of equipment. I need to finish those, Viserai. Just those two? Just those two. Okay. Well, I, I don't have extras of those. I thought I remember somebody saying they opened a Grasp. I'm trying to remember who that was. No, I don't know. I'll have to I'll have to look in the old the South Florida flesh and blood chat. trade discord. Yeah. You want to check that out. I think someone did open a grasp. So uh spellbound creepers should be easy enough to find, but yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, nice. Right I'd be uh, happy to see you play a little vis. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Runeblade's cool. I mean, I play Spellblade in almost everything. It's that it's that red mage life. Oh yeah. So my legacy cool. deck's uh mono red burn, so <laughs> a little arcane right damage to the face but yeah it was great talking this was a good podcast we talked a little yeah. blitz and talked a little pro quest and uh skirmish season right on and i think that does it for episode two of the pitch stack podcast we'll see you next week as we talk about whatever we come up with and whatever happens um as we inch closer to the dual decks we can talk about how Get more of your LGS on board with flesh and blood as you slowly stamp out competitive magic one footstep at a time. So we'll see you next week. <laughs> see you guys next week.